Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. This series is based on a question that Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And uh, I said he was really, in essence, being asked, what's the most important thing? And his answer was simple and profound and yet life-changing. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That, that it was in, in that simple, foundational command that um, we can really figure out what we're supposed to be doing as disciples. And we've tried to make it practical, and we've said in, in thinking about um, what Jesus said, that, that we can do that, uh, live out that verse, by being thankful every day for five things. That helps us to really get our focus right on the amazing love God has for us and all that he's done and doing for us in our lives so that we can love him the way that we're supposed to, you know, all, all in. Um, that we're to encourage at least two people a day. That helps us to love others well. And that the best way to love ourselves is living by trying to do the next right thing. We, we talk about these. We'll continue to talk about these principles. But in this series, we're, we're even taking it deeper because we what we're dealing with is the reality that even though that seems very practical and it makes sense, just living by doing those three things, that often we get to the end of a day and we realize we haven't done those three things. We haven't been thankful for anything. We haven't encouraged anybody else. And uh, we, we haven't lived by doing the next right thing very well either. And so we, we, we sort of go oh man, I, I didn't really kind of tap into the day that God had for me uh, that I could have experienced, so I could have found more life as a disciple. So we're, we're trying to dig d- uh, deeper with this uh, developing a disciple's heart. We're, we're calling it like a, a primer or you know, maybe a, a spiritual tool that can help you to get better connected to the Lord throughout the day so that when you kind of begin to veer off track a little bit, if that happens in your day, you're, you're more able to hear the, the, the Holy Spirit speak to you and, and yield to his promptings and get back on track for what the day holds. And so uh, that's what we're doing. We've broken this thing into seven sections of uh, different scriptures to kind of help get, get us really uh, connected to the Lord. We, we started this series talking about getting focused from Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 and, and again, how amazing it is that we have access to the most holy place 24-7 to, to go in and, and spend time in the literal presence of God, that we have Jesus as our great priest who modeled life and ministry for us, who understands us, who gets us, and that God in this amazing way now sees us in Christ. And even though we're still a work in progress, because he sees us in Christ, we have access to God and how amazing that is. And that by spending time with him there in the most holy place, we're to get a throne room perspective for the day, which should help us look at life differently. Well, then we moved in to Philippians 4, 4 through 8, and, and in that section of scripture, we, we broke it down, we talked about the importance of being thankful, once again. And, and uh, we talked about what it means to rejoice. We, we talked about what it means to be gentle, to not be anxious, and to, and to get our thoughts and our focus on the things of the Lord, and that it really helps us to uh, continue on in our throne room perspective in, in order to find life. Now we're talking about getting connected. This is our next section of scripture, and we're using the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, to help us in this process. And we're looking at the Lord's Prayer as a model for prayer, uh, not just words to recite, but sort of a, a, a way to help us stay focused, stay connected uh, in prayer, and, and sort of hit kind of real important life topics every time that we connect. 
Um, and I, I, I say this to you, and maybe it doesn't happen to you, but without something to sort of help me along like that, when I pray, I be, my mind wanders very quickly. I just have one of those minds that I'll, I'll sit down and I'll start to pray, and before I know it, I'm thinking about something completely different that has nothing to do with prayer. My mind is just kind of, what? And off it goes. So maybe you don't have that situation, but I'm sure a lot of you do. Uh, praying through the Lord's Prayer helps me to stay very, very connected and focused in the process. And so we're, we're breaking it down together. And uh, we looked last week at Matthew 6, 9. We talked about God as Father, that we're His children, and how amazing this relationship is that we have uh, in Him, and, and that, that approaching Him with that understanding makes a huge difference on the way that we, we connect with Him, that, that He's our Heavenly Father, and that we're His children, that He's for us, and that He wants good things for us, and that He's, he's uh, you know, He's... he's not trying to hurt us, he's trying to help us and to bless us and encourage us, that we have to have that mindset in as we go. We're going to talk today about uh, Matthew 6.10 in just a moment, but before we do, uh, I want to tell you about this guy uh, who's, a, who's a tourist down in Key West, and he's walking along the pier when he sees uh, what looks like an old pirate sitting on a bench along the dock. And at first the tourist just supposes that this guy is uh, an employee from one of the local sort of shops or something who's uh, sitting down having a lunch break, you know, in full costume. But as he gets closer to him, uh, he, he can see that this old-looking pirate guy actually has a peg leg, he's got a hook for a hand, and he's got a patch over his eye. Well, the tourist is obviously, you know, intrigued. He's more than curious. So he stops and he says to the, to the old man, he says, Hey, mister, how'd you lose your leg? Ah, the old pirate replies, a shark on the high seas ate me leg. I realized the other night I'm very bad at pirate, so, which adds to the disappointment that the joke will ultimately lead you to. <laughs> but makes it better for me. Okay, so, the tourist, finding it hard to believe the pirate, uh, had, had actually lost his leg to a shark on the high sea. says, well, I suppose the shark bit your hand off as well, huh? Arr, the pirate replies. A sword fight with the great-grandson of Blackbeard, the pirate, cut me hand off. And then I realized I have a Scottish pirate thing going on. But there probably was Scottish pirates. So, so, uh, Sure, of course it did, the tourist answers. You know, he's just incredulous at this point. And I suppose the sword plucked your eye out as well. Arr, the pirate replies. A seagull dropping landed in me eye. Wait a minute, the tourist reported. You expect me to believe that a seagull dropping put your eye out? Ah, the old pirate replied. It was me first day with a hook. Which is why I put the scripture reading here. Proverbs 3, 4 through 7, out of the message paraphrase. Earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and the eyes of the people. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything uh, on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who'll keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. And blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to uh, have that sort of uh, idea and concept as we talk about 
Matthew 6.10 today, which is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the second uh, verse in the Lord's Prayer and uh, another sort of uh, concept that I want you to get uh, to help you really in this time of connection with God that we're going to take every day. The, the first part helps us to relate to him as father in, in a good way, and we've, we've talked about that. And, and now we're going to talk about his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth. Now I want to talk about, uh, I'm going to hopefully give you some practical ideas for that verse, but before we do, there's a couple of concepts that I, I want to make sure that you have uh, in you when you think about this verse. And the first of these things I want to discuss is the kingdom of God. Because that's what we're praying. We're praying, Lord, let your kingdom come. What is the kingdom of God? You know, it's something that we talk about quite often here at the Vineyard because it's very important to the way that we look at things. But uh, you need to know that the kingdom of God, as we're praying it here, is not a place. It's not a place. And I think sometimes people are think they're, they're, they're praying for you know, a, a, a place to come. The kingdom of God in, in this context and throughout the New Testament when you read about the kingdom of God is his right or authority to rule and reign. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. We have a tendency to think of it in a geographical way because that's what we're used to kingdoms being is, is part of geography. But in, in the kingdom, in the, in the Bible, the kingdom of God is his rule, his reign, his authority to rule and reign is what the kingdom is all about. And so when you read all the verses in the New Testament about the kingdom of God, you need to understand that's what you're reading about and they all begin to make a lot more sense when, when, when you look at them that way. The kingdom is not a literal place. What you're praying about in the kingdom of God is his authority, his rule, his reign. And if you, if you look at the word, uh, and did, it, did a study of the word basilea, that's, that's what it means. It's authority to rule and reign. And so um, the kingdom of God then exists anywhere that Jesus is king. And, and uh, uh, what we're in doing in effect in this part of the prayer is asking for and submitting to his rule in our lives. We're basically saying, I don't want to do it my way, God. I want to do it your way. I want, to, I want you to be in charge. You're the king, and I want to submit to you as king in my life. And so that's what we're asking for the kingdom. Lord, your rule, your reign in my life today. Second little thing to think about and talk about, and, and, and I think we process this idea at different levels. That's why we need to bring it up. Why is it that we need to pray for his will to be done? Because I, I think oftentimes we, we have this thought that God's will is always done, that everything that happens is just the way that God expected it to uh, 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 or said it was going to, and we sort of buy into that sometimes, especially in hard things. We go, well, that was just what God, how, you know, was God's will. Um, the problem is, and what you need to kind of process through is um, not everything that happens is God's will. God's still in control, but things happen that are outside the will of God. Every time you sin, you're, you're moving outside the will of God, and all of us can agree that we've done that. We've done things that we shouldn't have done, which is not what um, God would have had wanted for us. And so we've stepped out of uh, the, the will of God at that point, and we've done our will instead. Uh, other people do that as well. As a result, here in a, in a broken planet, in a fallen world, there are consequences for those things which take place. Sometimes the things that other people do that they shouldn't do have consequences that impact us. Those are the hardest for us to deal with because it doesn't seem just or fair or right in any uh, way. That, that something, somebody's 
stupidity impacts us in a negative way. It's very, very hard for us to deal with. But it's part of living here in a fallen world on a broken planet. We do some stuff too that has impact not only on us but on others. And it's, it's part of what we have to deal with here. And so um, we're praying when we're asking for his will to be done that that's indeed how we're supposed to pray. Our prayers make a difference. Because see, if you, if you don't process through this thought, what people come to sometimes is this. And they'll tell me, what difference does it make if I pray or not? God's going to get what he wants. God's going to do whatever God's going to do. How do my prayers make any difference? Your prayers make significant difference. You, otherwise, Jesus wouldn't be having us waste our time by saying it doesn't really matter whether you pray or not because everything's just going to happen the way it's supposed to happen and that's how it is. Um, but Jesus doesn't do that. He models prayer for us. He takes time to pray. He teaches his disciples to pray. Um, we're encouraged to pray persistently throughout. Well, well why? Well, um, this connection with God does all sorts of stuff. Uh, spiritually, it helps us hopefully to start making better decisions in our own life, which will impact everything around us and, and, and uh, you know, holds us closer to the walk. But it's not a guarantee that, that we'll never experience bad stuff. But we're to pray that his will would be done continually because it makes a difference. And then when you go, well, how does it make a difference? The end's already been written and all that stuff happens. Here's, here's a neat concept of God. See, when we think about um, coming to an end point, we assume that there's pretty much only one way to get to the end point, because that's how we would get there. We'd have a plan. That's how we make plans. We make plans to get to an end point. And, and it's because we have very finite minds. God doesn't have a finite mind. And so even though the end point is in place, there are billions and billions and billions of ways to get to that end point that will still be the same end point. God doesn't have to micromanage them. God's bigger than micromanagement. I don't know if that, that make, but God is an infinite manager, if you would. He doesn't, it just, what he said is he'll work everything to good at that point. There, there's, a, there's a billions of possibilities along the way. That's why we need to pray. Because we, we want the ones that, that are the best ones. We want the ones that, that God's hands on. We want those, but, but we can, you know, we can go all sorts of ways in the process. So we're encouraged to pray, pray fervently and, and pray continually. And, and pray that his way would happen and, and his will would happen in our lives. So ponder those things. I think they're interesting concepts for you and maybe you need to unsettle some stuff. God gets blamed for a lot of stuff that's not God's fault. You know, they have acts of God that insurance companies won't cover sometimes. And uh, um, why do they blame that stuff on God? God created it perfectly. Sin blew it up. When it was created, the creation would have would have been in perfect harmony and there wouldn't have been all these things that happened catastrophically because the creation's out of whack. Sin did that. Anyway, something to think about as you pray about. All right, practically, what does that look like to us? Three quick things about this part of the verse. First one, as I move into this verse every day, here's the big question that I ask in the morning and then I ask five minutes later and five minutes later and 10 minutes later and two hours later, who's gonna be in charge today of my life? Who's going to be in charge today? Me or him? You or him? Who will be in charge of your life today? And, and it's pretty much a constant sort of decision process that you have to go through. Are you going to be in control or are you going to allow God to be in control of your life? You, you, hopefully you're going to give him the control that, he, that you should and, and trust in him but you will take it back regularly. That's what happens to me. I, I start out pretty good usually and but you're in control, and then as soon as I think he's not doing a good job, I take it back. <laughs> and it's totally my opinion, and it's always wrong. 
Um, maybe that never happens to you, but I grab a hold of it again. And I, I'm, so I'm constantly working. I go, you know, uh, I, I don't want to be, I want to do it your way, not my way. Uh, there's this great verse uh, that was in my Bible reading this week uh, that popped up. I've been reading through Jeremiah, which is a tough book because Jeremiah um, is, is speaking uh, as a prophet of God to a very hard-hearted Israel at the time. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on in, in this book. So it's a little difficult to read. But he says some neat things in the process. And, and this verse that pops up um, is, is such a great verse to think about along these lines. Jeremiah 2.13 um, says, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. This is such a great picture, and, it, and it's kind of a, a, a double sin that, that we tend to commit. We, we don't trust God. We forsake God and move into our own ways. As we move into our own ways, we miss out on living water, and we settle for old, nasty, dingy, broken well water. And it, to me, it's such a picture of of the reality of life. When I'm trusting in God, that's a way better walk. Even when things aren't going the way I want, it's a way better situation than when I'm trusting in my own strength and, and drinking from nasty, broken well water. And it's a constant picture, but it's a great verse to consider in your life as you, uh, you're deciding who's going to be in control. Who, who's way better at this, you or him? He's so much better at it than you. And, uh, and yet it's sort of this constant thing in our lives. So think about that and ask that question. Who's going to be in control today? Second thing to ponder uh, in, along these lines is this, is that it's not all about me. Um, we have to break up this ground in our lives too because it's very uh, normal, natural for us to move right back into that life is all about me and it revolves around me. It's a, it's a part of our natural state. It's not... It's not supernatural state by any stretch of the imagination. It's not where we're supposed to be, but it is very real um, that, that we tend to live life that it's all about us. Whether we, we say it or not, it becomes part of our focus. It has to do with the first point of who's going to be in charge. And what we have to kind of realize, I think, is that our plans are not always God's plans. And hopefully you're figuring that out. That, that sometimes the things that you plan just aren't God's plan. And, and we spend a lot of energy trying to sort of get our plans in place instead of going, okay, God, it's really not all about me anyway. What is your plan for my life? What's your will? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Um, and, and holding in context then that it's just not all about me. It's not all about me. And, and you need to kind of be willing to review your life in that light. Hey, it's not all about you. Now, the good news is, we started in the first verse that he's your dad and he cares about you. It's some about you. It's just not all about you. But we kind of want to make it all about us. And you have to go, no, it's some about us. See, when, when it's all about us, our perspective is very temporal. It's not eternal. It's very, very temporal. It's on the now, right now, making everything work. When it's a little about us, but mostly about him, he's got a way of taking that and getting our focus on the eternal which is where life is found. And that's when this verse makes sense. Matthew, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom, his rule, his reign in your life, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you go and read that in context, it says, look, he takes care of it. He takes care of all the temporal stuff when you get your focus right on him. He just takes care of it. may not be exactly how you would do it, or the way you, but he's taking care of it because he says he will. So, so we, we kind of have to process through that as well in our lives. It's not all about me. Thank you, uh, you know, Heavenly Father, that is some about me. But let me see when I'm trying to make it all about me because life doesn't work 
in that part of the process. And then last thing, and, and you've heard this before, you could probably guess uh, what the blank is. Number three, it's living by doing the next right thing. And uh, I will continue to bring that up as a foundation for life because it's, it's, it's the kindest thing you can do for yourself. It relieves so many stress points. It's a great evaluator. And if you, it, you have to really let it work on you for a while. But you'll be surprised how many conversations you'll have thinking about that. Is it the next right thing? And moving into it. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. There the Apostle Paul is taking the verse we've been talking about. He's assuming your love for God is there. Now he's saying, look, love your neighbor as yourself. Love others, love yourself by doing the next right thing. And remember, I, I bring the concept up again. What is the next right thing all about? It's, it's this prayer, it's asking for his rule and reign in your life, submitting to his will to the best that you can, and approaching the day, and, and as you move through the day, um, trying to do the next right thing in your life. Balancing into it this fact that you're not perfect yet, you haven't yet arrived, you sometimes will not do the next right thing. That's part of the deal. And when you don't move the way you should, rather, because here's where you can go, you can spiral out of to this, into this guilt-shame thing that disconnects you from God. Rather than do that, you just kind of go, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. And you turn, which is repentance, and you go to your Heavenly Father who loves you, and you say, I really blew it. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And he says, yeah. And he loves you, and he holds you, and he empowers you to go out and do the next right thing. And that needs to happen. That's not a um, permission to go and do things you shouldn't, because if, when you're really trying to do this thing, see, this only works when your heart is, as a disciple, wants to live this thing out with God to the, to the best that you can. You get it, that it's the best deal in the universe, and you want to live for God with all that you are. And um, when you're trying to do that, this all makes sense. If you're trying to sort of, you know, sneak by and go, I can do whatever I want, because, you know, he just... Um, it, it's not what it's all about. You're missing the whole point of it. So I'm really trying, God, to do the next right thing, and I mess up, and I'm sorry. Because I know, I love you. Now go. Do it again. Do the next right thing. Get out there. So that's what this part of the prayer is kind of hope us, uh, hope, hopefully will move you towards those understandings, asking his kingdom to come, his rule, his reign in your life, his will, his way, so that you can experience the full life that he has for you as a disciple. And uh, we'll pick it up next week with Give Us Today Our Daily Bread, which is a huge verse and uh, has some kingdom implication in it as well that I want to talk about. But we'll, uh, we'll close there for today. Um, if you're watching my video on TV, thank you so much for spending your valuable time with us. I know and appreciate how valuable your time is, and I thank you that you, you are sharing some of it with us here today. You can email us or write us, call us, check out our website. If there's anything we can do, we'd be happy to do that. We'd be happy to pray for you. So let us know.